Oh, hey, 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 this is Chaz Wagner, and welcome on to the Single O podcast. Uh, Single O is a new project by myself and Ann Shawley, where we are connecting the, connecting the dots across the New York coffee community. Um, and the dots, we want to connect the people, um, bring you guys together over, uh, over the audio, um, waves in person we're going to be doing events and gatherings and meetups um for the industry and um, just coffee enthusiasts like yourself to um connect educate one another inspire one another and uh you know just really build this home and this hub for um for the community because there's so much good stuff happening um new shops opening roasters expanding um you know, baristas taking on bigger roles and open their spinning off and starting their own shops. Um, it's great. So um, on our on our first episode here, um, what we're what you're listening to, we sat down with Peter Godhard from Merryweather Coffee and Kitchen. He's the the founder and the owner of that shop, which opened in summer of 2016. Last summer, it uh, it's an Australian shop, but unlike many of them around town, it's Sydney inspired. Most of them are uh, bring that Melbourne ethos to them, where it's a little more formal, a little more fancy, which is nice most of the time. But man, sometimes you just want to kick back and uh, you know just let loose. And Merriweather has has that going on, which is fun. So enjoy our conversation with Peter. Again, we're going to be having an events and stuff, so check out thesingleo.com. That's our site, or thesingleo on Instagram, and that will keep you in the loop. Um, please enjoy our, our chat with uh, Mr. Godhard. See ya. Good afternoon, Peter. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. We're here with Peter Godhard at Merriweather Coffee and Kitchen. Is yeah, that the full Coff- name? Yeah, that is the full name. Okay. Yeah, I never say Merriweather Coffee and Kitchen. I just say Merriweather, but okay. technically that's our name. Well, yep. People can hear the kitchen banging. Exactly. Exactly. Going right here. Um, we're sitting here late in the afternoon. You've served me up a uh, your counterculture drip right now. What yeah. Is it, what is it again? It's uh, the iridescent, which is like a winter blend for them. Okay. Um, and it's uh, Guatemalan which is like 92% of it, and then a natural Ethiopian. Okay. Um, gives it a little berry sweetness, and yeah, it's a, sort of a full-bodied, delicious coffee. It's not too dissimilar from their hologram blend, okay. which also has like a berry component, like a natural yeah. berry component. Um, but yeah, we've been using it for the last month. I'm really liking it, it's great. You've been using this as the batch brew? In the yeah, morning? just as batch brew. Yeah, so we, we separate out, um, we run a whole bunch of, bunch of different coffees. So we do, we have a milk espresso. Just do tell, let's hear <laughs> So your account, um, Merriweather is that the house roast is, is ca- house roaster is counterculture. House roast is counterculture. So can you tell us more about the program that you have. Yeah, sure. Set up with those guys. Um, yeah, so we basically do, we're, we're with counterculture, but we're allowed to do um, a, a guest roaster as well. Um, and we, with counterculture, we, we have a milk espresso all the time. So that's, you know, most of our espresso drinks are milk-based. Um, and so we choose something that's usually 
designed to go with milk, something that's nutty, chocolatey, those kinds of things. Um, and we've been flipping around a whole bunch of different things. It's often a single origin. We also often do um, uh, the fast forward blend yep. from Counterculture. And then we have uh, a black espresso, which is generally a single origin, and it's from our guest roaster. At the moment, we're using Tandem from uh, Portland, Maine. And uh, they're awesome. They're, we, so you, and we try and contrast that with the milk espresso, so we do something that's really uh, high in acidity, um, generally something that's going to be bright, sweet, yeah. acidic, pops. Uh, pops, something that pops. Okay. doesn't have to be citrusy, could be more, you know, plum, berries, that kind of stuff. Uh, but definitely something that, like, is, I think high in acidity is something we try and focus on. Something that you just, like, you taste it as a black espresso and it just, like, really Boom. hits you. Okay. Yeah. Especially um, in this cold weather. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Keep it, keep it, uh, keep it more interesting for that because, you know, the only people buying plain espressos we also use that with macchiatos and with our americanos too the the black espresso okay um so there's generally people who are more interested in tasting the the coffee through the espresso machine so you know that's what we we do and then we use a different coffee again for our batch brew we use a different coffee again for our pour over mm -hmm. um the pour over we use the guest roaster as well okay uh we're using a natural we use it let's see uh yurgish night uh, it's it, Ethiopian. It is. It is a yoga chef too. Yeah. Okay. So it's a naturally processed yoga chef, um, and we've been using uh, naturally processed on the um, pour over now for a couple of months, just because I think people want a different experience when they're getting a pour over, and um, it's been people love it. We yeah, we, we're actually surprised at how well the the how well it's doing. Yeah, the Selling. fruity natural Ethiopian cells. People love it. It's yeah. great. What would you say the breakdown, um, don't have to get super specific, but espresso, say milk-based espresso to black espresso to batch brew to pour-over? Would that be kind well, of... It's, I mean, well, the other... This is, a, this is aside from teas and matchas yeah, yeah. and all that. I mean, the other factor here is colber. Yeah. And so it's crazy how seasonal that part of the business is and how almost like by a factor of two to one, mm -hmm. uh, we would sell cold brew drinks versus like any espresso drink. Mm. That'd be like double our oh, revenue okay. when we opened. Yeah. We're, we're only uh, five months old, okay. barely. Um, so we opened during the, the summer. June you opened? Yeah, so yeah. we were just cranking out cold brew <laughs> and then now cold brew is like nothing yeah. of our business. Um, so that mix changes through the seasons for uh -huh. sure, like the product mix, um, but uh, at the moment, we'd probably do, in terms of numbers of sales, we'd do, um, I think the number one seller would be Drip, uh -huh. the batch brew, and then closely, very closely followed by lattes. Okay. People love lattes, man. Yeah. That's just a classic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, both that stuff during winter sells really well. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you knew that cold brews were going to drop off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and basically the latte but and the drip coffee combined to make up that difference so you're basically selling the same amount of stuff uh -huh. um but people change what they buy it, yeah. it switched over the latte yeah. um cool so you said counterculture they've allowed you to have a a, a a guest roaster is that 
on a case-by-case basis or for, for people that aren't in the industry, how does that work where, um, you know, we were at Seven Point Espresso last week and they only have counterculture. Right. Um, I don't know that if they just haven't decided on who their, their guest roaster will be, but how, yeah. um, how does that exchange Look, I, I can't. I honestly couldn't tell you what counterculture's policies around Got that it. stuff. I have no idea. Uh, I all I can say is that that I really wanted to work with counterculture because they're just. I mean, on so many levels, they're kind of ahead of the competition, just in terms of the, the equipment they're using to roast the coffee down in North Carolina. Uh, their training centers here and all the the the. Um, all the tech support they give you, um, all that stuff's amazing. But for me, as a bit of a coffee nerd, the, I get to choose from like 20 different coffees. Yeah. So the variety is just amazing. Yeah. So you don't really need another roaster when you have them because mm-hmm. they're such a huge roaster. Um, but I, because this is my first cafe and it's like my fantasy dream cafe. It's like what I had envisioned as mm. like what I wanted, so cool. like what I thought a cafe should be. Um, I wanted the flexibility to have, um, if someone sent me some interesting coffee from another roaster, you know, I just wanted that flexibility yeah. personally to be able to like taste their coffee and maybe put it on bar. Um, so we're, we're a counterculture cafe. Um, but they wanted to be experimental. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to like out. try some other stuff. If, if something good came across our, our desk, which yeah. some, which yeah, Tandem are awesome. So we're using them at the moment. Cool. Um, and Who did we'll, you guys start out with? As, uh, as we a, actually were just with so Tandem's our first guest oh, roaster. Okay. Um, and then we want to keep it on the East Coast if we're gonna use uh-huh. use anyone else. I don't want to overcomplicate things. I think coffee shops that have tons of different roasters yeah. often aren't <laughs> familiar enough with their coffees. Yeah, it's hard enough to get familiar with something you're using over a couple week period let alone if you're switching it up all the time um so it's definitely not my goal to like be switching out every month yeah yeah yeah. yeah. just maybe two or three times a year try something else uh and i want to keep it mainly east coast because there's so many good east coast roasters i don't Uh i don't love the idea of shipping coffees from one side of the country to the other just from an environmental perspective yeah uh i'm more interested in and supporting like where we are and yeah yeah there's enough stuff over here to keep everyone interested i think for sure yeah i i just moved from boston and tandem uh is has a good yeah, presence better presence up, up there up, for sure up in new england yeah um so you said this is your first shop you, yeah. you've been in the industry yeah um I have. you worked at blue bottle yep. so tell people about how peter came to be the uh the shop owner on um, here in the West Village, how did you decide on the neighborhood? Yeah. Love to hear the backstory. Um, so I worked at Blue Bottle for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in a prior life, I was a corporate attorney for nine years before all this. In New York? In or New York. Or okay. New York for six years, then in Australia for three years. Okay. Um, so this was a complete career change for me. Um, you know, my the story of as to how I ended up opening a cafe in the West Village is a very long one, so I won't give you that whole like sorted. Let's, let's hear first how you went from uh, corporate attorney to blue bottle. Uh, I mean, I re- I literally knew I couldn't stand reading and writing another contract, yeah. like one more, like I just couldn't have another day of it. Yeah. Um. So I quit, and I'd always wanted to run my own business. Yeah. So. Uh, and the only thing I was really passionate about and obs- basically obsessed with and have been for 20 years now 
is cafes and coffee. Okay. So for me, there's no other business that I wanted to run. I was just obsessed with this one. Okay. When I go traveling, when I... I thought you were going to say obsessed with coffee, but you said cafes first and then coffee is just the the means. Exactly. I really... There's something about cafes to me that uh, I love. I just think I love interior design. I love... um, I love being able to, if you do work in a corporate gig, I love the idea that you can just walk outside and just be in a really mm-hmm. thoughtful, well-presented space with really nice people there to like give you a treat. Yeah. And if it's not... Four or five minutes away from your desk. That's it. Nice reprieve. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's such a happy moment in anyone's day. Because mm-hmm. being back at that like cubicle often sucks. You're a robot. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so I think cafes play such an important... Uh, role especially in New York City Mm -hmm. I think cafes in New York City have sucked for like Mm. a long time and they're getting better there's lots of new players who are doing really interesting things but this idea that everyone's been having to go to these chains Mm -hmm. um, and for so long here or these like really big awful delis and just like what New York had 15 years ago um, was just just I felt lagging behind where most other big world cities were you know for cafes Mm -hmm. and you know that's definitely changing which is awesome yeah well you're saying uh, one way you you're addressing this or what a cafe provided you was the this corporate um, break or breather Mm -hmm. during the work day yeah but you also you before we we hopped on and started chatting the interview was with the West Village, this neighborhood, yeah. from a residential standpoint, yeah. living that they were craving this and, and, yeah. and, and it was missing. So how are you addressing both? Well, you're, you're probably addressing more of a residential. No, void. so that, that's the great thing about where Merriweather is. It's um, I'm basically on the corner. I'm on Hudson Street and I'm on this like this the corner. Basically, everything to the north of me is very fancy residential. Mm-hmm with basically no cafes. Yeah. And then everything to the south of me uh, and across the road from me is commercial. Yeah. Um, So in this Hudson Square commercial area, which is becoming like a bit of a tech hub, there's Squarespace is near us, PayPal, Venmo, um, Kiehl's Skincare is across the road. So we're surrounded by an awesome demographic of sort of, you know, 20, 30 year olds who need are coming fuel. to work every day yeah. they need their break away from their office and then on weekends we've got a great following from regulars People coming from uptown or from the nor- little yeah right from north. exactly yeah. <laughs> the north of us yeah. yeah um so it's i think we're lucky in that we it's one of the few locations in the city where you you're either you know normally you're either in midtown or mm-hmm. you're in the village where or you're packed during the week and then it drops and off then you have no, no exactly yeah. And we, and we really have consistent business seven days a week, which is awesome. Yeah. All the time. I've come in during the week and it's hopping. Yeah. And then on the weekends, weekends it's just... Weekends still busy. You guys yeah. are slammed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the location, you know, really, I was lucky and it, and it was great. I looked for... I mean, I really looked for a year and a half to find mm-hmm. a space. Mm-hmm. It took forever. I you knew you wanted West Village or you were looking all around town? I looked for places, basically, as I just described. I looked for places that were right opposite or under a commercial building, mm. but were in an area that I wanted to come to work every, in every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, like, in the thick of some... The theater district or health Yeah, kitchen. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
there's not that many spaces in the city that fit that criteria. For sure. Yeah. 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 Seven days a week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it just took a long, long time. Yeah. And you were at Blue Bottle this whole time. And I was at Blue Bottle, like learning the ropes. I was just a barista. I worked uh-huh. on the Highline with Blue Bottle. I worked at their um, Berry Street store in Williamsburg uh, for over a year at that okay. store. And that's where you, you said you live over. And then, yeah, I live over in Williamsburg as well, uh-huh. so it was very convenient. Um, and yeah, I just started like networking, getting to know a lot of the other Australian cafe owners, um, having the connections with Blue Bottle, and knowing the ro- like we, I was I was working at the it's roastery, yeah, um, yeah, the Berry Street, the one. Berry Street yeah. one. They also, you know, they own cafes. They own like six cafes, I think, in New York, and they're all different. Mm-hmm. And so even just getting exposure as to how well different cafes do in their network and yeah. sort of understanding New York from where their locations are mm-hmm. really helped find Meriwether. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't want to harp too much on the Blue Bottle um, side of things, but for anyone that hasn't worked um, on the other, you know, been on the other side of the counter, at Blue, yeah. what, is that a, what is that like? Because such a respected brand and I, mean, yeah, I, I, love, I love their product, but... What's it like working for? Uh, there, I mean, the, the Blue Bottle has a lot of strengths, and I think their number one strength is their training program for their baristas. I mean, they really just don't—they just invest a crazy amount in their baristas. So, you know, when you start, you go through this very rigorous training program, all paid here, not 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 out west. Here, okay. they do it all here, uh-huh. um, and. Uh, it goes for weeks and weeks, you know, three hours here, three hours there of different things that they're teaching you. Um, and then you have a pre, you have like a rigorous training program once you're on bar um, where they used to have this thing called the jury where they, you would, you go through their whole training program, you'd be on bar for, I don't know what it was, three months or something. You're and then on the bar. You, you, tr- you try to get away from that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting back into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they would, that you would do this whole performance, like a almost like a barista competition. Yeah. Uh, in front of the performance art. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd you'd have to, you know, make X amount of drinks in in a certain amount of time, and they would test the milk temperature. And I mean, they're not for a chain. They they take it unbelievably seriously. So I really couldn't have asked for a better place to learn coffee uh-huh. i mean they're just you know now with michael phillips who's a world brista champion he's like part of their team like it's not they're not messing around yeah there's a lot of they invest in the people they do yeah. there's yeah. a lot of i think there's a lot of third wave or whatever fancy coffee places that actually don't have the training pedigree uh that don't, they don't train their baristas that well to be mm-hmm. honest and uh having i think that's the big blue bottle advantage yeah yeah so we'll we'll contrast that transitioning out of a blue bottle counterculture. They don't have their own shops. Right. Where blue bottle is vertical. They they own the whole stack, kind yep. of like uh, Apple. Yep. A comparison to Apple. Counterculture. They are this platform for yep. shops to um, empower themselves and get off the ground. So how is it? Um, you know, building a staff of your own here and getting them. Do they go to Counterculture's training lab? Do, does the team come out to the field and work with you guys? Yeah, so... How does that work back and forth? Uh, 
you counterculture basically are just a, a huge resource that you can use however you want um, and and it, they're happy to play it whichever way you want as well so if you want to use the training facility at any time and have at it go. they have that yeah. at your disposal if you want your baristas to go through their kind of their rigorous their version of what Blue Bottle does their training programs so they've got different courses and all this sort of stuff they run them all the time at the training center uh, you can send them free of charge to go through that program uh, if you would prefer them to work help you you know with workflow or, or how to use your machine and your equipment best they'll come out and spend hours with you mm. here like I've had I've had um, counterculture training guys um, jump on bar with us just yeah, for cool. fun yeah. um, during our, our, our rush hour and, and just help us out and, yeah, and really, just see how we're going partners. they really are they really like help you out however you want so my you know the other thing about Blue Bottle is that I got a great network of baristas in New York and so I was lucky enough to be able to hire I think some of the best baristas mm. I've ever worked with and none of them needed any training you're poaching blue bottle people come on I poached a few blue bottle people or ex blue bottle people okay. who'd already okay. like left blue bottle and then came to work for me yeah um, there's a fine line with that when you, when you launch a new business you yeah you bring I mean, your friends over but you can't bring exactly bring no I didn't many. decimate any blue bottle team and they're, they're, do, they're doing they're just doing fine. just fine not worried about them raising 25 and 30 million dollars exactly venture capital rounds they're, they're gonna be okay yeah uh, so we to be honest, haven't extensively used Counterculture's training um, things because my, my teams, they're fully formed baristas. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I didn't have to recruit many uh, From beginners. Scratch. Yeah. So that that's most stores don't have that luxury. Most new stores, I think. Yeah. From, from what I hear. Okay. Um, so you said you were in spot. You you wanted a, a better cafe. New York New York cafes have been lacking. Um, you're an Aussie. All the all the caf when people think of an Australian cafe in New York, it's a Melbourne inspired right. and driven one. Yeah, Merriweather is different. This yes, is, this is Sydney inspired. Correct. Give people the um, the lowdown on what a Sydney yeah cafe is all about and how you've you've woven that into the experience here. Yeah, um, the. Just from the lo even the logo and branding is yeah I mean this lighter is, and softer. It's the difference between yeah. So when you live in Sydney and grow up there, you think you live in the greatest coffee city in the world, um, and then it's in my view only recently has Melbourne uh, really oh, owned that title, uh. um, and probably very deservedly they they have an insane amount of cafes but if you go to sydney you would say the same thing if you've okay. never been to melbourne you'd be like what is wrong with this city why is there a cafe every a beautiful cafe uh -huh. with an amazing coffee program and sensational food why is that everywhere here so sydney has it in spades as well um but yeah there's two different sort of i guess uh the the cities are very different, and I think the cafes reflect that. And so what Merriweather is, is, yeah, I, I actually grew up in a town that's two hours north of Sydney. Okay. Um, it's like a beach town. It's called Newcastle at a beach called Merriweather, which is where the name right. comes from. Um, and so that's very different to Melbourne. Melbourne is more of a European slash New york -y kind of city. It's very city kind of based. Urban. It's yeah. urban, okay. exactly. There's little lanes where there's really cute little cafes, and it's it's... 
a very different feel than the sort of open beachy harbour outdoor mm. living nicer okay. weather lifestyle of Sydney it's a little bit San Francisco to it's New kind York, of to be honest or? uh it's probably more LA to New York. Okay, okay. I'd say that, like, because that's doesn't. Peachy, yeah. Yeah, San it's just a bit. Not really exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's more, yeah. I mean, Sydney gets compared to San Fran a bit, but I would say it's actually kind of more like LA. Uh, it's just not as sprawling, which is nice. Yeah. The traffic still sucks in Sydney. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, in terms of cafes, um, I think having just something aesthetically that's uh, bright and laid back, mm. um, maybe Melbourne cafes are a little more up tight i would say they're a little more posh uh or fancy i would say right whereas sydney's a little beachier and laid back Mm -hmm. um and i just love that feeling of going into uh an unpretentious laid back space where there's still great quality Mm -hmm. but uh yeah everyone's you know we don't have a particular dress code here at Merriweather. we're not like right. we're not wearing bow ties or, or anything like that you it's got just your shit together but it's not super buttoned up exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think that's an important piece of it i mean the uh, in terms of what's going on in both cities um coffee wise it's very similar like mm-hmm. the trends there are in both cities are th- people are doing the same kinds of things got it elevate yeah. i mean they're they're lifting up the whole category and yeah the whole industry one distinction in here um i just just came to me right now is you guys don't do table service yeah exactly and melbourne ones i mean they come and, and serve you and if you want another cup of coffee like they're coming right to here it's order at the counter take your seat and go yeah. up and pick up your your cup or your exactly your yeah yeah i mean it, sydney has a bunch of all different styles of cafes but yeah i do think that you know closer to the beaches this more casual style like you can just sort of rock up and take your own seat and you don't have someone hovering over you or you have to wait for someone yeah. to get you water just making it very easy to me it was it, to me that was also like a business decision i just think the west village lacked Mm. at least here where I am it's filled with very fancy restaurants yeah, yeah, yeah. and fancy like brunch places where you need where it's white tablecloths you need to pay like $30 just to take a seat basically uh, and, I, and I, I just know for me that's not what I want half the time sometimes I like that but most Sundays I just want to yeah get a newspaper grab a coffee maybe I'll get some food maybe I won't and feel like I'm not uh, gonna get like rushed out of there because I'm at some fancy brunch place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought, I thought it was a good business idea to do that here. Yeah. Because there wasn't it. much of that. Especially, I mean, people during the week, they're, they're formal. They got to have their, yeah, they're, little, they're little. on during the week. It's like on the weekends, you just want to, just want to kick it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> totally. Um, cool. So let's, let's jump into the, the kind of the food menu. Yeah. Um, you're inspired by, and is this another Sydney thing where, you're infusing, we got Middle East, we got Southeast Asia, and we also got, uh, what's the third? Like Mediterranean, Mediterranean. and that sort of stuff. Kind yeah, of talk about I mean, that's totally a Sydney thing. Okay. It could be a Melbourne thing too. I'm not that familiar with what, <laughs> what's going on down there. But for Sydney, like, um, it's, has, it has a huge um, Southeast Asian community. Um, so massive Vietnamese immigrant population, massive Thai population. Um, and so Sydney Cafe is really cottoned on to the idea of eating fresh, healthy, Asian-inspired food very early. So it's been around for like decades, really. Okay. Um, so, you, so this concept of um, having high-end coffee program 
with um, really spicy but healthy mm. food is yeah but that's like everywhere in Sydney oh wow yeah that's super common so um, like this ho- like having like eggs benedict or something you don't, you don't see that on the menu in Sydney it's way more um, I would think progressive might be the right word where just people are like thinking outside the box having less heavy food yeah um, and something that's usually more spicy and maybe uh, a little fresher so having just like fresher ingredients on the plate mm-hmm. um, helps you get back uh, in the water back on the board as yeah exactly. to, hey I need a nap exactly okay. that's exactly right um, and so we just I just you know I put, putting the menu together it was honestly what sort of menu would I like mm-hmm. and I like that kind of food so that's what, where what we are the particular items that you're uh, the spicy Thai. Yeah, I mean, we have like a raw Thai salad, so it's kind of inspired by um, a Thai papaya salad, except we're using um, like raw spiralized um, uh, carrots and cucumbers. Um, so it's really a salad, but we've got that like uh, ginger turmeric uh, yeah. dressing. Gives it, gives that it that gives that kick. It a kick. It's not that dry, boring. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we've got we've got like a banh mi kind of Vietnamese style sandwich on the menu, which is really tasty. Um, there's a, like a Middle Eastern tahini eggplant uh, sandwich. Um, we've got like a tahini quinoa bowl, which is more Middle Eastern focused. So yeah, we just tr- we just tried to mix it up and have a good variety of um, of things that we like to eat. Yeah, yeah, love it. What's your What's what's Peter's go-to drink? Um, you know, when you first get here in the mornings, before the staff might come in, definitely before the customers come in. What's what's your first uh, first kick of caffeine? I'm I'm an espresso guy, <laughs> so I when we opened, I was here all the time and I was dialing in the coffees and all that sort of stuff. These days, uh, I actually get in um, a little bit after the openers. Yeah, and Hopefully they're already dialed in, and so I'll taste both of our espressos, um, the black one and the milk-based one, okay. plain, mm-hmm. the milk one with no milk, mm-hmm. just to sort of taste it and see how it actually is, it. is going. Yeah, and I'll actually taste all our coffees every morning, so yeah. okay. uh, <laughs> even the cold brew, I taste it. Okay. Um, so I, that's like, I guess, one of the little joys about owning your own cafe is that you do feel like you can just get whatever awesome coffee beverage you feel like that morning and yeah. I want them all yeah yeah <laughs> so I try the drip coffee do the whole thing uh, but yeah by noon I'm kind of you're coffeed out okay yeah okay. I try not to drink much after that got it but espresso espresso is my drink especially if I go to other people's cafes that's definitely what I'm I'm drinking so now I was always an espresso drinker um, for like 15 years now uh, but uh, I'm tasting so much coffee owning my own cafe mm-hmm. and so much espresso that I really am quite competitive with that and I really want to see what our competitors are doing yeah. and where their coffee is uh-huh. um, so yeah I, that's why I order got it um, speaking of well, competition but what what other cafes are you really inspired by around town um, we talked about Blue Bottle we talked about Counterculture that's on the roaster side but you're uh, an enthusiast of of well-designed cafes so who, yeah. who else has done it done it good out there yeah I think um, I do think the Aussies are doing really well um, so as a 
great little cafe owned by two awesome uh, Aussie dudes um, in Williamsburg called Sweatshop. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Super cute. Down, down the stairs. Down there. the stairs. Yeah. Uh, I think they just did a great job. Uh, and they, they're also the loveliest guys who own it. So um, I'm they a big... old design studio in the back. Yeah. Creative studio. Yeah. They're counterculture folks too. And there's just something about their design um, which is different than, you know, especially Brooklyn cafes. I felt during, from 2008 to 2012-13, they all just started looking the same to me. They'd be like, a, they'd be a mainly made out of reclaimed wood, the design, that was it. And then mm-hmm. there'd be a... Um, a pastry case at the front, a certain type of espresso machine, like a, a linear Lamazocco plain, like they all just were very yeah, indistinguished. Yeah. yeah, and I just think like your design, your interior design, it's a great way to differentiate yourself. It's a great way, a great thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I think the sweatshop guys, uh, it, their space is very black and white. Um, it's just different, and I just respect them for that, doing something that's a little different. Yeah. Uh, it's cozy and intimate in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a good, good energy coming. Yeah, emanating yeah. It's thoughtful. There. It's simple, but it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like those guys, and that's over by where you live. That's over in Williamsburg. Um, the other Aussies who are doing really well, um, and I love their their spaces. Uh, the Two Hands guys. Yeah. Um, fun. So yeah. their new space in Tribeca is beautiful. Like, yep. I mean, yep. it's more. It's basically a restaurant. I mean, it's they've got a full food service program. They do dinner and everything. Uh, but their designs, I love it. Yeah. Um, and I think they're Sydney guys too. So they have a more beachy kind of aesthetic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I love, in terms of design, I really love what uh, Devotion did in Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that cafe is just something else. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's ambitious. Yeah, it's ambitious is the word for it. Expensive is what I saw when I looked. I was like, yeah. oh my God. These guys got, uh, some, yeah. got some dough behind Some, Someone's paying for a beautiful space and like it's great I love uh-huh. it uh, and I love Blue Bottle's aesthetic I think yeah. they've got a cool different aesthetic as well uh, I think they're probably one of the best design chains going around um, so yeah there's there's a bunch of places that are doing it well I think but yeah. a lot of places I from a design perspective yeah mm-hmm. I think are not doing it well for sure yeah Toby's um they're Aussie, right? And yeah, they, they yeah. have a spot in Williamsburg. Actually, I totally forgot. I think Toby's. Yeah. I'm a big. Are fan. they Sydney or Melbourne? Uh, Toby's. Well, Toby's in America is I, a little bit more I believe, Melbourne. Yeah. They're, they're, I don't. I don't know how related they are to the Australian company at this point. Um, and I, I think they kind of have different owners at this point. That's okay. my understanding. Um, but. The original Toby's, yeah, I don't know where he's from. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think he's Sydney. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they've got cafes all over the country now. Oh, like my wow. sister lives up in Brisbane, and there's Toby's Estate cafes up there. There's there's a lot of them okay. now. Okay. Yeah. They've expanded the biz pretty good. Yeah. Um, cool, cool. How? I mean, you talked about the staff bringing bringing own on, fully trained, fully formed. But can you talk more about the people making this uh, Mer- yeah, Merryweather I mean, machine go? It's totally the most important thing you can do but it's also it's funny because you getting getting the right staff is something you can't do literally until the week or the second week before you open your doors yet the people you hire and making those first impressions those first month or two is 
basically key to your business. Mm-hmm. So it's super scary. Yeah. You haven't, you've built this space. It t- took you six months to build it. You invested all this money, and a lot of it rides on who answers your help ads, like uh-huh. those that week before you open the space. Yeah. And if you find a bunch of duds, and you've got people not showing up that first it can week, can be the most beautiful shop in the world. Exactly, yeah. but it's not going to run well, and people won't, won't get a good first impression. So it was. That's why I actually had a lot of extra help um, from people who work at Blue Bottle still, who would just help me out that mm-hmm. first month. They'd mm-hmm. come and just do a shift here and there, oh, just nice. to get get us through. Yeah. Um, so I had a very reliable, well-trained bunch of people. Even if they weren't permanent Merriweather staff, they were friends of mine and they were helping me out. Yeah. Um, help but, get the word out there to customers and to potential employees. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the stuff I have, like, yeah, we're, it's, they're great. We've had no one leave since we've opened. Um, and they're just, That's great. you know, they all, we know, we can basically look at the line in the morning and look down three or four people and we already know what drink they're oh, going to order. Cool. I was going to ask, like, who are the, you, you got some regulars, you got some devoted yeah. Merryweathers? We've got a lot. It's like, I, it's a good chunk of our business is, is the great. same people. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome because it, it really creates a good energy in your cafe because mm-hmm. everyone's chatting, everyone knows each other. We already have that sort of happening. Yeah. Um, and I think being in the West Village where we are it helps with that. I think if yeah. you're in Midtown or something like that, it's probably a little more difficult to totally. get too many random people coming in and out. Uh, so that's been great. Um, we do get celebrities down here, which is totally fun as well. Because uh, there's a lot of movie, TV production studios around Brown, here. Tribeca. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's fun. It's a great. I mean, it's a really nice area Good to energy. come to work every day. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, What's 2017 look like? Um, it probably nothing drastic. Just just evolve. You know, just yeah. refining the exactly. coffee program or. I mean, we could do other stuff, right? Like, we could start looking at deliveries and start looking at catering. And there's other things we could do. At this point, we're pretty limited with our space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're already at kind of capacity in yeah. terms of um, what our kitchen can, can get out. It's mm-hmm. a pretty very small kitchen that we've got. Um, so, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm interested in um, consolidating on what we have and just sort of making sure next year we, we're growing and we're still meeting our customers' demands. Because I think for me, that's one of the scariest things about owning a cafe is disappointing your Scaling customers. Scaling too quickly. Or and that, exactly. So you're, you're putting new things on the menu too quickly or you're, um, you, you lose staff and mm-hmm. then you have to retrain them. And then there's that week or two where they're kind of not trained properly and they're, giving, they're, they're producing food and it's not really made the way you, you want it to be made. That sort of stuff to me is the scary stuff because once people have a bad experience there's a hundred other places they could go and, yeah. um, so just making sure we don't rock the boat too much and just keep building on what we have that's kind of the, the focus right I, you talked about the guest program you're not don't want to change that up too much yeah the menu might it's going to be seasonal, but it's not going to... Exactly. We have specials. Yeah. Um, Incremental changes. But they're just little things crazy. that I know my guys can handle. And mm-hmm. we, we train them up, you know, a day or two before and make sure that they're comfortable getting out the food, uh, the new item or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, the food part of the business is complicated. Uh, it's... They work so hard, the guys in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their rushes 
I feel like with, with the espresso machine and the baristas, when you have your rush in the morning, you can manage your line a bit by you know slowing down how many orders you're taking and that sort of stuff. And you know how long it takes you to do the, your drinks and get through the, all the different tickets. But with the kitchen, they can get dumped with 10 tickets from one customer. Yeah. Or they could get dumped oh, right, with right. like you know seven different types of, three, three different sandwiches and three different salads. And putting all that together in a short amount of time is mm -hmm. very complicated. Um, and stressful yeah so yeah that's been because Blue Bottle doesn't have a proper food program right 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 learning how to do all that stuff is it's a lot yeah and you're <laughs> learning on the fly and you're learning on the fly exactly yeah so we're yeah finishing up this has been an awesome chat where can people find you um, we're, we're specifically um, here in person and online to yeah. to follow along with, with Merriweather. Yeah, so um, our Instagram page is amazing. One of my baristas does our Instagram page for us and she is a rock star. Um, so we are at Merriweather NYC. Okay. And then the cafe is located at 428 Hudson Street, which is uh, between Morton and Leroy Street. So right down the south end of uh, the West Village. Right and by the park, you got the soccer field. Yeah, a little soccer field there. The like Equinox, the printing house Equinox is across the road. Yes. Um, so it, people who know this part of town love it, and but you know if you're a tourist, you're not really coming mm -hmm. over here. Mm -hmm. Or a little hidden removed gem. from that. Yeah, I you think kinda so. You kind of like that hidden gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Celebrities like it too, where they can pop That's in. That's right. You know, we don't treat them any differently. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, secretly we're like, oh my god. Yeah. Will you put it on Instagram if, when someone pop in, or you're? I'm you're too not? nervous. I would never. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm like I just let them be. Let them be. I would love to. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. Maybe if we got like a big Australian so celebrity. Guy. It's not. It's not up to you. Seriously, I don't even have access to the account. <laughs> that's why you um, get enough going on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, man, that's that's it. And uh, we're um, open seven days here. a week. They did. The you go guys out. are open kind of late too for uh, yeah, what, I, what I like. Yeah, we're open till seven. I think um, we'll see how long that lasts during winter. I think maybe for February and and part yeah. of January we'll shut at six, maybe because right. when it'll it's die down. when it's already dark at four p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, People are hibernating. Cool, Peter. This uh, thanks for having me in the chat. I finished my um, my coffee. I need to work on this uh, bliss ball. Yeah, get into it here. So that's we'll we'll leave that. Um, out there is a mystery for people. That's why they got to come to the shop. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows what the bliss ball is. Nope. So that's why you got to come visit. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, sir. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers.